Thursday Finance now, thanks to our sponsor, Pritchard and & Partners, and it's lovely to see Barry Preston back again. Hello, Barry. Jane, you're looking fantastic. It's great to be here. Isn't it lovely? And we're going to do it again, the old team. I've, we have done that for many, 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 many years, haven't we? Many, well, too many to talk a, about. That's a few right. months anyway. But can I start off by asking you about BHP? Because in the last few days, an, a number of people will certainly have had their BHP dividend and they'll have noticed that it's a lot less... Should we be worried? When you say worried, worried about what? That's a, that's a question nobody can really answer. But BHP did say once upon a time, or the executive said, that they, wouldn't, they were going to keep their dividend the same, basically, or grow it. Now, that was very dangerous because look what's happened. <clears throat> and we might breach, uh, broach this with uh, Henry, but that big dam collapse, I believe, in Brazil is going to cost that company and its partner, Vale, many, many billions of dollars. They've just paid out 3.2 to the Brazilian government to um, help fix the dam, etc., etc. So it, it, it was a rash statement, I think. I don't think many people in the executive world of companies that pay dividends say that. That was quite rash. And at the time they said it, I think the chiefs were um, – some commentators came out and said, oops, that's a little bit rash. Hmm. So, so it, having said that, yes. what happens now? Because BHP has this big challenge. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's a question of see what happens, and absolutely, the courts will be involved. In watch the meantime, this space. Watch this space, mm-hmm. and uh, which is what we do at this time for currencies and commodities. How are the commodities faring? Very good, actually. Uh, strangely enough, uh, there's only one commodity that's uh, headed south, and that was copper. But let's first of all look at gold. Gold is sixteen hundred and twenty-six dollars uh, Australian, which is up. Nineteen dollars or a dollar twenty one dollar twenty one percent. Sorry, one point two one percent on what it was last week. Silver is up seven percent or one dollars thirty nine to twenty one dollars sixty. Copper, as I said, was the only one that's down about ninety dollars or one point four two percent to six thousand two hundred and thirty two. Nickel very stable, up a little bit to two hundred and forty one to eleven thousand four hundred and ninety one. And tin. Up $153 a tonne to $21,894. Of course, they're all Australian currencies. And currencies, pardon me. There is only one currency that's in the negative, uh, or as far as we're concerned, is Canada. Canada's strengthened. It's up. Uh, uh, we would get less dollars if we were buying Canadian currency. And I've heard and read somewhere that the Canadian economy is very, very strong at the moment. And that's probably the reason why. But let's have a look. The US dollar, we've strengthened against that 2% to uh, uh, 76.59. Again, that changes every second. Um, the British pound, we're up 1.02% to 53.94 British pence. The Chinese currency, the yuan, 495, 4.95, we're um, 2.08% ahead there. The New Zealand dollar, we're stronger there. So if you're heading to New Zealand, you get more New Zealand dollars. And that matter of fact, there's 1.1083 New Zealand dollars to the Australian dollar. The euro, 0.679, that's up 2.94%. And I said the, as I said, the Canadian dollar down as far as our Australian currency is concerned, you've got to pay a little bit more to get an Australian, a Canadian dollar. In actual fact, uh, it's uh, 0.98 you would get for your Australian dollar. Okay. But uh, last week, I think you would have got uh, around about 99. So it's, um, it's strengthened because yes. its, uh, its economy is a lot stronger. Well, Stephen mm. often <clears throat> says at this point, well, it's a good idea to go overseas. 
Well, it all depends where you're going. <laughs> if you were heading to Fiji, uh, your Australian dollar would get you $1.57 Fiji dollars. So maybe it's a good place to go to Fiji. There's a thought. <laughs> we tried to work out, what was that place we were looking at? Vietnam, but there were too many noughts. So there we were kept definitely away a lot of noughts. So you, you go to the ATM and you come away a billionaire. Lots of, a wheelbarrow, you probably need to get a loaf of bread. Now, the indices, the world indices, the Australian ordin- ordinaries was up uh, over the week, 102 Point six to 5,127, and it is up again today. The US Dow ahead 192 points, or 1.08% to 17,908. The USA NASDAQ, it was the lowest of the percentages increase. It's up half a percent to 4,947. The UK FTSE is up 3.266% to 6,362. And the Japanese Nikkei up 4.237% to 16,381. And the biggest uh, increase was the Hang Seng, 21,158. It reached 4.712%. So it was the highest. And the lowest on the ones we look at was the uh, USA NASDAQ. Oil. This is an interesting thing. (laughs) I noticed the petrol Bowser prices are all over the place. Well, the West Texas Intermediate is 56.61 US dollars to our... To the, to the barrel, Australian currency. Mm-hmm. And that's an increase of 19%, $9 in actual fank. And Brent crude, 57.54 Australian. That's up seven, uh, $6.70 to, uh, as I say, sorry, 57.54 the cost. It's up $6.70 on what it was last week, 13% increase. Yet <clears throat> the petrol that's still in the tanks would be under the old price. And what we've got to watch is our Australian dollar is increasing. I remember it was under 70. It's now 77. It's increasing in line with the oil price. So when you look at it purely from a a logical point of view, there should not be any big increase in oil prices. However, Central Coast, 118.2 for unleaded. That's uh, 12.52% 12.52% ahead, or 14.8 cents a litre. The Newcastle, 116.4, 10% ahead, 11.8 cents a litre. Mm-hmm. I was talking to someone the other day. They said the service station that they go to was showing $1.21 when they went into shop. When they came out, it was back to 98. Oh, so what I did think they somebody, pay? <laughs> well, I think some, well, they didn't buy it at that, that stage. They bought it later, but I don't, I don't understand it. Sydney, 119.7 a litre. That's uh, 18. Uh, three cents a litre ahead or 15%. The diesel, the central case, good news, it's down, would you believe, a huge point or 0.1 of a cent to 113.9. Newcastle diesel's the same as what it was last week, 114.1. And Sydney diesel, 107.3 or down half a percent. So petrol has always been a challenge to work out and I do not think, I don't care how high you are in uh, mathematics and academics, you will not be able to work it out. <laughs> Time for our market snapshot with Henry Jennings, who's senior commentator with the Markers Today Financial Newsletter. Absolutely. Henry, how are you? Oh, Barry, how are you? I'm very well indeed. I believe you might be in traffic at the moment. I am in traffic, but I'm just about to get out into somewhere much quieter, so you should notice the difference. Okay, right, fantastic. Now, the Australian Taxation Office, or the ATO as we refer to it, leads, I believe, the global attack on the Panama tax haven. Now, first of all, what is this Panama tax haven? And uh, should a lot of people, a number of people in Australia, be having some uh, sleep deprivation? Um, Well, the Panama tax haven is something that you and I should obviously know about, Barry, because uh, 
and we should be hiding our money there. This, this is. Uh, I've got uh, mine under the mattress. Oh, have you? Well, yeah. this is, uh, Panama has, um, has been a, a long-held uh, tax haven for a lot of uh, U.S. companies and a lot of other companies and individuals around the world. And one of their uh, solicitors has released um, 11 million documents. 11 um, million? Uh, 11 million. So it's taken a little while to get through for the journalists. <laughs> but, but what they have discovered is that there are one or two individuals, um, to say the least, about 800 in Australia, that have been using Panama to... Uh, to shift their tax burden, although this is not illegal, it's not a great look. Um, so uh, it's already claimed the scalp of the Icelandic uh, Prime Minister, as he was one of those that was using those Panama um, tax haven status. Wow. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of big news, I guess. And I be- I'll bet organised crime is in it. Oh. No? Oh, fair enough. I think that's a long bow, isn't it, Barry? <laughs> It probably is. Henry, we mentioned... Right. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. I'll take that back. I'll, I'll re- retract that. BHP <laughs> BHP seems to be having some challenges. We mentioned before the uh, we uh, started to do our program the dividends and so forth. But with this overseas Samarco Dam iron ore mine disaster, there seems a lot of legal eagles coming out of the USA with their, what do they call them, uh, class actions and so forth. Now, I believe BHP's already coughed up three point two billion. It's not in it alone. I think there's the other company, Vale. What do, what do you see of this? Well, this, this seems to have actually sort of disappeared off the front pages uh, recently. So um, BHP did make a, a whopping great big provision which they've uh, allowed for over um, a number of years to, uh, to, clean up the, um, to clean up the site and get everything back in order and obviously to make compensation for those people affected. So um, I guess for BHP they're hoping to move on um, unfortunately, with all things US and all things legal, I suspect that it from time to time will rear its ugly head um, and we will get some ambulance chasers looking at class actions, etc. But for the moment, BHP's made a pretty good uh, provision and uh, they've, they've done it relatively well. And of course, as you rightly say, they're not alone in this. Uh, vale, which is the Brazilian iron ore miner, is their partner in this business. Interesting. Henry, there was a big uh, drop in some of the shares on the Australian Stock Exchange recently. I think it was uh, Blackmore's, A2M Milk, uh, Bellamy's, Bega Cheese. China's tax hike, apparently, on overseas online imports spooked this. Uh, Was it the normal thing? Everyone jumps out before they really get the facts, or is it fair income? Well, I think there's a bit of of both, actually. I think China is obviously moving to uh, put a higher tax on imports and also to clamp down on what they call the grey imports, where, is, uh, where Chinese citizens buy up lots and lots of products in Australia or elsewhere and take them back to, uh, to China to sell them. Um, they have whacked uh, a biggish tax on some of these imports. Uh, this sector has been such a, a market darling and has, has produced such staggering gains uh, for stocks like Bellamy's and Blackmore's and A2 Milk that it's hardly surprising that I guess that the bubble had to burst at some stage. Um, they have recovered a little bit since... Um, the companies are all making soothing noises. Of course, the trade delegation is over there at the moment, yeah. so one would hope that uh, um, they can sort this out. Um, it just, just, I guess, shows that, uh, that China is, um, I guess, taking this, this part of their, their, um, their business seriously and that they are um, looking to uh, ensure that all the regulations, all the taxes are paid um, and it's not the free-for-all. But I guess that what it does highlight is regulatory risk for these, uh, these milk powder companies or these vitamin companies, and uh, that's something that investors had ignored for some time. 
Woolworths has had a bit of a shocker, I think, over the last 12 months, and I believe their rewards <laughs> and their rewards program hasn't been performing as well as it should. Yet analysts are still saying that it's a buy. Yeah, well, they've been saying it's a buy all the way down, so it's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit embarrassing for them. Um, what I guess you have to be careful of as an analyst is that you don't uh, reverse course and say it's a sell, um, having fallen from for 35 bucks to $21, and then you end up picking the bottom um, by putting the sell on it at, uh, at the bottom and the stock bounces. So uh, they're pretty stubborn, these analysts, and they will continue to, uh, to push that buy story. I guess from a recovery point of view, we're getting some new management in place. Um, so you'd have to think that it's got more upside than downside at present, but it's a tough game out there in the supermarket land. Um, and as you say, the loyalty program has hardly been spectacularly successful. Um, whenever I go shopping in Woolworths and see the different prices um, for if you're a Woolworths club member and all this sort of stuff, I'm some completely confused. Whereas, you know, you, go to Aldi, you know you're getting a decent product. And I guess the other thing that the market's still concerned about is the uh, the home brand business that they have, which they're trying to, uh, to rebrand and take a little bit more up market, I guess, um, and to continue to counter the uh, the challenge from Aldi but they've got other overseas players coming in as well so it's not just Aldi um, that's going to be uh, munching at their lunch so they have problems but um, analysts continue to uh, to recommend them and there's only 24 million of us Henry we're going to take a small break and I've sold all our jets and boats so we'll come straight back in and talk about something overseas fantastic we're in the middle of our market snapshot with Henry Jennings Henry, we once upon a time used to talk a lot, or the press and uh, in America, they talked a lot about the deficit over there. I believe it's around about $20 trillion now, but we don't seem to hear it. It doesn't get on the front page or anything. Well, uh, is it because no. Donald Trump's kicked them off or what? Well, I think there's a bit of that. Um, I guess um, the US debt has been coming down, actually. They, they, their economy has been doing relatively well, and as a result, their debt is coming down. Of course, having debt in a low interest rate environment is uh, is not the end of the world. And don't forget that uh, a lot of the countries or a lot of the big e- economies around the world at the moment actually have negative interest rates. We've got Japan and we've got Europe, both with negative interest rates. And of course, the US has only got 25 basis points of official interest rates. So um, having a lot of debt in a low interest rate environment is not the end of the world. The problem comes as interest rates go up, obviously, as we all know from our own experience, it's great borrowing lots of money when uh, interest rates are low. But, of course, you have to be careful when they rise and take account of that. So um, the U.S. Federal Reserve has to, uh, has to be very wary of that as well. I wonder, does the Federal Reserve know what they're doing in respect to interest no. rates? <laughs> was that a correct <laughs> question? The, or no? I think the short answer is no. Um, I think uh, the Federal Reserve um, has um, been slightly um, confused, I guess, with the <laughs> economy. Uh, as, as we all have, um, every time they go to raise rates and go to a more normalised setting, um, there seems to be an eruption in the world's equity markets or bond markets, uh, and the Fed then uh, then bottles it and doesn't raise rates. So it then becomes beholden, I guess, and hostage to, uh, to world markets, which love low interest rates because, of course, um, it gives them kind of free money to go and play with. So um, <laughs> it's tricky for them to, to, to raise rates. I don't think they're going to raise rates this year. I think, you know, I'm, I'm one of the few that would probably say that. There's a, certainly a, um, certainly some thoughts that they would raise rates in June. But, of course, um, in June, their meeting coincides um, with the, um, 
the UK Brexit vote. So that could uh, would also mm. disrupt markets. So um, the Fed is a little bit hostage to world markets. It's interesting, isn't it? Now, China. I believe China's economy is starting to fire again. In other words, I read somewhere this morning, I think it might have been the Financial Review, where the old economy is firing. Now, what are we talking about here, the old economy? It's roaring back to life, or is it just sort of a fizzle? No, it it is kind of... I mean, China, very much like our own economy, is transitioning from... They're transitioning from a manufacturing economy to a consumer economy, and similarly, we're obviously transitioning from a mining economy to a more service uh, and consumer economy. So uh, both our economies are transforming. And China um, has started to turn the corner. And we saw some good export numbers out of China. We've got GDP numbers on Friday. Not that anyone ever believes those, of course. They're always <laughs> made up. But uh, we have got those numbers. And we have seen better numbers coming out of China. Electricity consumption was up 5.6%. This is, this is a number that they can't kind of fudge whereas the GDP number amazingly seems to come out exactly uh, on, on forecast every time. Mm-hmm. So uh, there certainly are some signs that the Chinese consumer, um, now that they've sort of all moved into the cities and they want to spend on Western uh, sort of products and the lifestyle, is certainly firing um, far more than, uh, than previously. So this is good. And the Chinese government as well is moving to stimulate their economy, um, free up uh, money for the housing market, which was in the doldrums, which is improving as well. So there are some good signs there that China is emerging from uh, a period of kind of stagnation at best. One question I didn't ask you about Australia, the Reserve Bank of Australia, my prediction is we will not see interest rate movements for quite some time. I agree, absolutely, 100%. Um, there, there doesn't seem to be any way in my mind that the Reserve Bank will cut rates. We've just seen an unemployment number came out earlier this morning, uh, which showed that we now have headline unemployment rates around 5.7%. Now, this is a volatile number, but certainly these are not kind of numbers that the RBA would think, well, requires kind of any change to interest rates. Um, we've got Glenn Stevens, who's very relaxed and chilled um, about things. It's his last year in the job, and I don't think he's a man that panics easily. And why would you? The only thing that he really needs to panic about at the moment is the, uh, the elevated Australian dollar, which is sort of mm. around that 76 and a half, 77, which is probably not optimal for what he would no, like. That's but, right. um, but that's the only thing. We've got GDP growth at 3%. We've got unemployment 5.7%. You know, everything is going relatively swimmingly for, uh, for the Australian economy. And looking at you know, the number of tourists, the number of cranes, the, certainly in New South Wales um, and in Victoria, are going very, very well still. And the economy is sort of uh, bustling along. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't think Len's going to move soon to cut. In fact, I would suspect that the next move in interest rates will actually be up but that might be some time away. And the last thing, words are election, election, election. Interesting <laughs> in the USA and, of course, in, in, in Australia. Uh, we, yeah. look, we look forward to those. I won't ask you to make any predictions because who knows? Well, who knows indeed. There's some serious wild cards in the US. <laughs> one of the reasons why the Australian dollar is strong is there's a little kind of crevice in the back of your mind that just thinks, well, you know what, if Donald Trump did get in, what would happen to the US dollar? And there's a lot of fund managers in the US that just may be hedging their bets just a smidge uh, and, and trying to put some money into overseas markets uh, and the Aussie dollar as a safe haven uh, from that possibility. Of course, it's all completely unlikely that Donald Trump will get in. He's uh, currently paying around $6. Um, <laughs> so he's obviously the, um, 
the favourite, but hey, let's... Who knows? Someone thought he would get this far. Well, then, if, if he looks as though he's going to get in, I'm going to go out and buy a lot of bricks because isn't he going to build a wall somewhere? <laughs> he's looking to build a wall between the US and Mexico. Yeah, but he's going to make Mexico pay for it. That's exactly right. He's going to get Mexico to pay for it yeah. by, by stopping all uh, remittance of monies from the US to Mexico until they cough for the bricks and mortar to build the wall. Oh, well, so, a... He's an extraordinary man, and he's come, come, come a long way. But um, It'll be interesting. Henry thank, Henry, thank you very much indeed. Keep safe and hope to see you again soon. Thanks, Barry. Lovely to talk to you again. Bye. Well, investment scams. We get updates every now and again on scams, but uh, investment scams? I think uh, if everybody, anyone listening, would make sure they've got a piece of paper and pencil, I'm going to give you a website in a minute that you can go in and have a look at how these scams work. It advises you uh, smart tips, uh, certain things, the questions you can ask, not them. And I think it's a great idea. It's uh, it's an ASIC, uh, Financial Guidance ASIC website, Australian Securities and Investments Commission, and it gives you the words to say to people if they phone you. But look, uh, investment scams can come via phone, email. There's all sorts of ways. And look, some of them are so good, and these, these scammers are getting very, very professional. And the offer, in actual fact, is really fictitious. Beware of scams offering you access to exotic or unusual investments. So, you know, you've probably never heard of the type of investment, but they guarantee you that you're going to get a good return and everything's going to be okay. The opportunity's there before you. Um, the investment offer exists, but the money you're going to put into it, the scammer will take and put into his bank account and good night, nurse. Gone finished. So just be careful. So how do you know that this is coming up? How do you how can you tell if there's a what are the warning signs? Well, look, they will offer you high quick profits, uh, good returns and a tax-free benefit. Uh-huh. Just be careful with that tax-free benefit. That should be a warning sign, a tax-free benefit. Now, uh, it also may, does it have an Australian financial services licence? Uh, have they been ringing you many times and they've been trying to keep you on the phone? Say, do they say, look, you can make a quick decision or you're going to miss out on this because it's only going to be around for a short time? And if you say to them, can I phone you back? They probably say no because we've really got to get a decision now. And if they do say, yes, phone us back, I'll guarantee the number's not uh, a genuine one anyway. It's uh, it, it's probably their house. Could even be a person just down the street. You don't know. Mm, is, and, of course, with somebody who cold calls, it's probably hard to check that. Oh, it certainly is. It's nearly impossible. And remember, uh, I know I've been reading one about the USA. The USA, they um, have reputable organisations, you think they're reputable organisations, and they grain, they sort of gain credibility by quoting the NASDAQ and the Dow and Bloomberg and all these sort of things. And they'll offer you a glossy prospectus, um, brochures, share certificates, receipts, the whole works, and they will be scams. Look, stay in, it's entirely up to you, but 
if you don't understand a lot of things about investments, whatever you do, don't go overseas with it because you're, you're really losing all your control, so legal control. So a call from overseas or any, any thought that will uh, Absolutely. go overseas. Is but they'll offer you big returns. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And remember, we've, we've always said this, if it sounds too good to be true, guess what? <laughs> it's too good to be true. So um, how do they work, investment scams, or have we really covered that? Well, we have, but all they're trying to do is shake your hard cash from you, and they want it. And but they're, they're going to con you by offering you high returns, uh, the investment's safe, it's guaranteed. What is a guarantee anyway? I mean, a lifetime guarantee? How good's a lifetime guarantee? So if you want to do some investigating of this, and there's a lot more, we can't cover it here on the radio program because it could go for hours. Here is your place to find it on the internet. The four, the three W's, of course, www.moneysmart, M-O-N-E-Y-S-M-A-R-T, .gov, G-O-V, of course, .au slash scams. And if you look in there, you'll find a lot of them. What I'm, I'm talking about and it was the investment scam. So www.moneysmart.gov.au slash scams. Now, that's put out by ASIC. You'll see the ASIC, the Australian Kangaroo and the Emu Coat of Arms, and ASIC. And that's an excellent site to go in and start learning about these scams because they'll give you all other warn- many other warnings too, what the things to watch for, what people may say. And if in doubt, don't. Sounds fair. Okay, so ASIC, of course, is government anyway. It is, yeah, and it's, got, it's, it's a great website. It's very clear, and you'll be able to get a lot of information on scams out of it. Yeah, we do need a little bit of help in protecting ourselves. So we also wanted, Barry, today on Thursday Finance to take a look at uh, an easy way of investing in shares. So where do we start? Um, I want to invest in shares. How do I begin? Okay, as you heard Henry a moment ago, we were talking about what happened in China and a lot of those stocks, uh, Blackmores, A2 Milk, uh, Bellamy's, etc., that were importing, exporting into China. The Chinese said something and down they went. That was one share. Some of them dropped uh, 5 or 6%. I think Bellamy's dropped about 9%. Now, that's one share. Look, this is a suggestion and you should talk to your broker about this, but I do talk about listed investment companies. Listed investment companies. Now, mm-hmm. what is a listed investment company? Listed investment companies are on the Australian Stock Exchange. They're just like ordinary shares. They're close-ended. What that means is um, no more shares are issued. So when you buy, you're buying from somebody who is selling. Um, And when you sell, you're selling to someone who's buying. So if there was 10 million shares and you've been trading all week, there'd still be 10 million shares at the end of the week with different owners. Now, the share prices are real-time as shown on the Australian Securities Exchange. You can buy and sell like any other listed share. Now, if you want to find out, speak to your broker about listed investment companies. Okay. So what do you think are some of the main benefits of investing in a listed investment company? Okay. Instead of buying shares in many companies, you buy shares in a listed investment company that has ownership of shares in many companies that are listed on the Australian Securities Exchange. Some of them have shares listed on the foreign exchange, which you would have trouble dealing with. You are, in fact, a part owner in those companies that the listed investment companies own. You're a part owner in those, in those shares or those companies. Your investments, your investment is spread over many companies, so you don't have to go and search out one or two. You don't have to do a lot of research. Best to research the investment company. You only pay brokerage on your buy and sell investment. Not if you've got 10 companies and you want to sell them, you've got to pay 10 lots of brokerage. Um, most pay dividends. 
and most have a dividend reinvestment and franking credits. Now, that franking credit has a taxation benefit, and they are ideal for parents and grandparents wishing to help their children. In what way? Okay. Well, as I said, you have investments spread over a number of companies. Uh, You don't have to monitor those companies. Most dividends can be reinvested. And this is the fabulous compounding effect and probably the eighth or ninth wonder of the world. In other words, as uh, I've mentioned many times before, you put a small investment in and over a number of years it grows because your dividend's going back instead of you putting it into an account and you lose it. Most give tax benefits with franking credits, as I've mentioned. And as I said, they're ideal for parents and grandparents wishing to help their children build wealth. Because by investing in that one company, you can show your children as they grow older and this investment grows how simple it is. And you can get all the information from that investment company. Even they will send you information every month or every two months or three months on what they've invested in, what the value of their share is compared to their asset value of the companies that they've invested in. There's a lot of great things with listed investment companies. So it's easy to see what you're investing in with a listed Absolutely, because company. they let you know who they – yeah, they might have 10% of the shares in the Commonwealth Bank or et cetera, et cetera. How long have they been on the market? One of them, which is still on the market, was had a director by the name of Sir Donald Bradman. Ah, okay. So there's a lot of them on there. Speak to your broker and have a look at listed investment companies. Great for parents and, and grandparents wanting to build wealth for their grand their children or grandchildren. Well, thank you, Barry Preston. That brings us to the end of Thursday Finance today, and it's been great to have you on board again. Thank you very much indeed for listening, and keep safe, everybody. Most important, keep safe. You can um, also uh, catch this program on podcast in the not-too-distant future on 2NURFM.com.